If you would, please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to John chapter 12. And we're going to pick up at verse 37. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 37. We're going to close out this chapter. When we pick up in chapter 13, um, the Lord is beginning to spend more time with the disciples. He's not going to be in public as much. We're at that point in our text where the Lord begins to close out his public ministry. In the verses we're about to read, John reveals to us, according to the scriptures, why so many Jews did not believe in the Lord Jesus. Though he did many signs before their eyes, and he explained from the scriptures how their unbelief was according to the sovereign plan of God, according to the previous verses, John reminded us of the Lord's invitation and warning to the Jews given to them in John 12, 35 and 36 when the Lord says, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Here in our text, we see that many of the Jews rejected the Lord's offer to believe in him who is in the light. And when they had him, the light, Christ is that light, to become sons of light, unfortunately, Many of them rejected his offer. We can relate to being rejected. When we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. Which is one of the reasons why many Christians don't share their faith. We want to be faithful. We want to honor Christ. But sometimes we allow fear to creep in, paralyzing us to the point where in the moment we don't say a single word about Christ, our beloved Savior. How could we? Have anyone ever felt that way? Well, you wish you would have shared the gospel, during the opportunity, in the midst of that moment. Have you ever felt like you missed it? You can just get that moment back. Well, in John's gospel, there is a word of encouragement for us today. And I believe it will provide for us the help we need to share the gospel when opportunities present themselves. Follow along with me as I read from John's Gospel, 
chapter 12, beginning at the 37th verse. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Play with, uh, pray with me, please. Father and our God, how we thank you to be able to look into your word, to find a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a greater confidence, a confidence that, um, that is above and beyond this life. We thank you for the, the greater glory. We thank you for the love that you continue to pour out on us. We thank you for your son, our beloved mediator. We have come so that we might have life and have life more abundantly. We pray that as we look into your word, that you would grant clarity. You would grant understanding. That even the little ones will be able to grasp the truth that is found in your word. And we pray that today would be the day of salvation, that you would draw, you would draw by your spirit those who would say, yes, Lord, those who would believe in your good gospel and be saved and find hope only in you. We pray, Father, that you would allow your word to go forth and penetrate our hearts. May you continue and may you increase as we decrease. May your word go forth powerfully and may that which is weak May it fall on deaf ears. and Let only that which is true will stand and pierce our hearts and will change us that we might leave here a changed people. Glorifying you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Gospel of John, in the 17th chapter, in the Lord High Priestly Prayer, the record shows that we've been given 
the responsibility to be keepers of the word of Christ. In John 17, beginning at verse 8, the Lord says to the Father, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Here we see that the truth of God's word came from the Father and was given and transferred to the Son, and the Son has given and transferred the truth of God's word to us that we might commit ourselves also to the truth and receive it by faith in Christ. The Lord is the one and only Savior who saves sinners and provides salvation for all who will put their faith in him. And what a great benefit Christians have in being keepers of the truth. What a great privilege and responsibility Christians have to be able to pass on this treasure to others. And how many Christians, how many Christians bury the truth of God's word by being captivated by the worldly pursuits and achievements? The scripture teaches us that we are children of the light. Therefore, we must shine bright for the sake of Christ by testifying to the truth of God's word. In Matthew 5, 16, we're commanded by the Lord to let our light shine. There the Lord says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Those who belong to Christ ought to have him fully glorified in him. The redeemed of God surely ought to be glorified in the Son. God's people surely ought to testify concerning their redemption in which they've been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those who are in Christ ought to be the witnesses of Christ. The Apostle Paul provides a good example for Christians when he states in Philippians 1.20, uh, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. That's different. That's not like the things we hear in the world, it's a good different. It's something that every Christian should strive for. What are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of honoring Christ in your body? We all struggle in our walk. 
But what motivates you to obey the Lord's commands when given the chance? Churches all over want to see their churches grow. But how many of the people actually apply God's word by sharing the gospel? The problem we have when it comes to being faithful in evangelizing our communities, our homes, our jobs, and our places we frequently attend is fear. Is fear. Various circumstances we may face may also cause us not to share our faith. Hopefully, after we hear from the scriptures in John's gospel, we will have the motivation we need to boldly share the gospel in the spirit of Philippians 1.20, as Paul has stated. Since, since Jesus offers salvation through faith in himself, we must share the gospel at every opportunity. It's the big picture. I'm trying to paint here from John's gospel. The Lord Jesus was present with the Jewish people, preaching the good news and explaining the scriptures, but he was faithful in proclaiming the word of God and offering himself as the mediator between God and man. Considering we've been given the great privilege of sharing the truth of God's word, let's encourage one another to share the gospel with unbelievers who might even reject the evidence. Let us encourage one another to share the gospel even with those who seem impossible to reach. And let us share it with people who seemingly profess faith in Christ. And so, my first point is we must share the gospel even with unbelievers who reject the evidence. And the reason why we do this is because since Jesus offers himself, offers salvation through faith in himself, we ought to share the gospel. People reject Christ for all kinds of reasons. In the unbelieving world, in John's gospel, it's recorded that people then, and they do to this day, still don't believe in him, though they've seen the evidence and know of God's sovereign plan for salvation from the Scripture. Why should we offer the Scriptures to the unbelieving world? Because people today still don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 37, John states on record the people's response to the miracles they seen, which should have been the evidence they needed in order to believe in his name. The reason why Jesus performed miracles was 
was so that it would authenticate his message from all the rest. He gave the people proof beyond a shadow of doubt. And with all of the evidence the Jewish people had, they should have been abundantly clear about Jesus' divine nature as the Son of God and the Messiah who was spoken of from the Scriptures. Yet, in verse 37 it says, Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. How is it that this is their conclusion? With all of the miracles that took place in front of them, it was done before their eyes. The miracles should have led them to faith in the Lord Jesus. How is it that they did not believe? They did not believe because of their depraved state of mind. What do I mean? In other words, they've been so polluted by the fall of man that they can't in no way please God in a way acceptable to him that reaches his standard of perfection. Dr. David Martin Lord Jones says, he defines depravity, the depravity of man in this way when he states, he says, well, positively, it means that man in his fallen condition has an inherently corrupt nature. And the corruption extends through every part of his being to every faculty of his soul and body. It also means that there is no, observe the adjective, he says, spiritual good in him. Yes, there is plenty of natural good. There is natural morality. He can recognize virtue and so on, but there is no spiritual good whatsoever. That is what it means, unquote. Many Christians struggle with this. They cannot believe that we are born in such a state. And the scripture says that we are, we should accept that. David acknowledged this in Psalm 51 when he states, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, for my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. King David acknowledges his inability to approach God 
on his terms, on his own. He can't do it on his own. He states, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Neither, another reason why this Jewish nation won't receive Christ as the Messiah is because they don't belong to him. In fact, anyone who continues in unbelief, it is because they never belonged to God in the first place. Listen to the words of Christ in this same book recorded in John. John chapter 10, he states, verses 26 to 31, But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And what did the Jews do? The text says that they picked up stones again to stone stone him. There are other examples in John chapter 8, 44 and 45. If you want to look there later. Also in 1 Corinthians 2, 14. This also points us back to Isaiah 53. In the scriptures, in the scripture reading earlier, you heard, Pastor Aaron, read Isaiah 53. I want to look at verse 3, which foretells the events that were going to happen to the Lord in Isaiah 53, verse 3. It states, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. God's sovereign plan of salvation came through Christ. Though he was rejected by the people, he was esteemed and exalted by God. You see, unbelievers need us to share with them the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we reflect upon our own salvation, it is our privilege to share how the Lord redeemed us. Being that we have benefited eternally from the good graces of God, how could we not share the gospel, the very gospel that we have benefited from? Why would we not testify of the goodness of God to an unbelieving world? It is our duty. We must accept it. Not only do we need to share the gospel because of disbelief, but it is also a part of God's plan. So, Why should we offer the gospel to the unbelieving world? Because of God's sovereign plan for salvation. In verse 38, John continues his thought by referencing the scripture stating in verse 38, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? 
And to whom has the arm, the power of Lord been revealed? John uses the scriptures here to offer a reason for the Jews' constant unbelief and faithlessness in the Lord Jesus as Savior sent from the Father. They would not believe, which ultimately is a part of God's sovereign plan. This is a confirmation according to the scriptures in Isaiah 53.1. Charles Caldwell Rivery says, and he speaks about the sovereign plan of God, and I quote, even though God hates sin, for reasons not revealed to us, sin is present by his permission. Sin must be within God's eternal plan, for God would not be sovereign. In some way in which he is not the author of it, or God could not be holy. And then, unquote, and then I believe R.C. Sproul would agree with this statement because he said, and I quote, but overall injustice, all pain." In all suffering stands a sovereign God who works his plan of salvation over against and through evil, unquote. Point number two. We must share the gospel even when it seems impossible for people to believe in him. And I say again, I say again since Jesus offers salvation through faith in himself, we must share the gospel even when it seems impossible for people to believe in him. In verse 39, it reveals man's depravity, his inability to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ apart from the Spirit's help. In verse 39, it states, therefore they could not believe. He could not believe. So why should we offer the gospel to sinful man? Because unbelievers are spiritually blind. John adds again from Isaiah verse 40. He, he says, he has blinded their eyes. What John also seems to be pointing out is a need to acknowledge the bigger picture. When scaled back, John recognizes the work of God according to his divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Although the Jews in this case ought to have believed in the Lord Jesus for their salvation, they remain guilty because of their disbelief according to verse 37. However, God blinded them so that they would not, from a spiritual standpoint, be able to believe. This is known as man's inability to make things right between him and God. So because of man's total depravity and inability, he cannot make himself right with God. There must be regeneration. 
And in response to God's regeneration, we say, yes, Lord, because of his irresistible grace. In John 8, 36, Jesus states as a reminder to us, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, his grace is irresistible. We can't remove or shake ourselves from the grace of God. His grace captivates us and it moves us so that we might progress forward by faith. It is by grace we've been saved. It is a gift of God. And so we have the grace of God at work in us. His grace is irresistible. And in John 17, verse 6, the Lord states to the Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. In other words, his grace is efficacious. It's effective. It will do whatever it's sent out to do. And in the process, God preserves those who are his. In other words, we shall finish the race. We shall endure to the end. We shall run through the tape. We can look forward to the Lord saying to us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Come up a little higher and I'll make you ruler over many. His grace is efficacious. No one can naturally believe on their own because we're all born in sin. We're dead on arrival. We're dead on arrival. There's nothing that we can do on our own. We must be born again. According to the Spirit of God, in John 1, 12 and 13, John penned these words, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, salvation is a God thing. And there's no thing no man can do in order to put themselves in right with God. There must be a mediation. There must be a change. There must be regeneration that is ultimately authored by the Spirit of God. We see this even in the scripture. In John 6.44, the text says, no one can come to me. The Lord is saying, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. These Jews, unlike the others, who believe, chose to disobey the will of God. So God in his divine wisdom used their disobedience according to his sovereign plan. But guess what? 
When we share the gospel, we don't get to decide who gets in the kingdom of God. We have the responsibility of delivering the gospel message to the world. Therefore, everyone is fair game. And so what are we to do? Family, let's make ourselves available at every opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to do so, we must come out of our comfort zone. Because we've been given a calling. And since we do not know who the Lord is saving, we're obligated to share the gospel when the opportunity arises. In the beginning, we can expect to be uncomfortable. But remember the benefits we have received because of his grace. Remember, we are keepers of the book. and We're not to keep that to ourselves. We're to take the word of God to others that they might know him also and become children of God. Since Jesus offers salvation through faith in himself, we must share the gospel even when it seems impossible for people to believe in him. And Why should we offer the gospel to unbelievers? Because unbelievers have hardened hearts. All people everywhere, every people group need the gospel. We ought to spread it to everyone. Christians don't know what the Lord might do. So as long as there is life in the body, we know there is hope. It's true that God has elected and predestined those who would be saved before the foundation of the world. But we don't know who those people are until they profess faith. And in order for someone to profess faith in Christ, they must hear the gospel. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, as long as there is life, we have hope to give life to those who do not know Christ. And that's why we ought to share our faith with all who would listen. I mean, we can just share it until somebody listens. Oh, you don't listen? Go to the next one. And keep going to the next one and keep going to the next one until people listen. We need to put away from us the shame that we might feel in bearing the name of Christ. We must Remain faithful. In verse 40, it states that God has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn. And he says, I would heal them. This verse, again, implies that Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled through Christ's earthly ministry, which in one way consisted of pronouncing judgment upon the unbelieving Jews. This is noted in Isaiah 6, verse 10. There he says, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, 
lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. This points to the need of sharing the gospel with all because we don't know the plans of our Lord that he might have for them. People are spiritually blind and incapable of knowing Christ on their own. Therefore, it's our responsibility to be used by God. Not only should we share the gospel with unbelievers who reject the evidence when it seems impossible for and when it seems impossible for people to believe in Christ, but we should share it with those who are familiar in some way with its message. Because everyone don't quite understand what they're reading. So point number three is we must share the gospel even when people who seemingly profess faith. Since Jesus offers salvation through faith in himself, we must share the gospel even with people who seemingly profess faith. A good example of this is found in our New Testament scripture reading from today. If you want to turn back there, you can turn with me to Acts 8, but we're going to pick up at verse 29 for the sake of time. And in Acts 8, beginning at verse 29, it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So that so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. It wasn't a sprinkle. They went down into the water. Philip said to the eunuch, I mean, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So as the Spirit of God led Philip to share the gospel with the eunuch, so should Christians also allow God's Spirit to lead them in sharing the gospel with others. Seeking opportunities to share our precious faith. So in verse 41, 
John continues, he quotes Isaiah's vision from Isaiah 6 verse 1 when the prophet said in Isaiah 6 verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Why do you think John quoted from this particular text? John is being specific here. He's using the Old Testament text to expound upon the revelation he's receiving from the Spirit to write his gospel. And in verse 41, John states, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. John appears to be giving his interpretation of Isaiah 53.1 and Isaiah 6.10. John seems to be arguing that what Isaiah saw in his vision was the pre-incarnate Christ. John believes that Isaiah saw his vision, the exalted king and suffering servant. And he believes that it was the Lord Jesus in his glory. So why should we offer the gospel to those who seemingly profess faith? Because some believers fear man more than God. Verse 42, John adds, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees. Even though the Jews were trying to disrupt the Lord's mission and ministry to save sinners, many still had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel was effective for saving and is effective for saving sinners. Not only is the gospel effective for salvation, but it is also meant to strengthen the believers in the faith. So why should we offer the gospel to those who seemingly profess faith? Because sadly, believers often seek the approval of man instead of the glory of God. We need to be reminded of the good gospel that saved us and that we, we have our new identity now that is in Christ and not in man. In other words, we don't need the approval of anyone because we are now in Christ having every benefit. We are rich in God. There's nothing that we don't have. We have everything we need in Christ. So we're to remind ourselves of this good word, this good gospel. And so we don't have to worry about seeking the approval of man. Rather, we ought to fill the earth with the glory of God. So though these Jewish Christians came to faith, they feared being excommunicated. So they kept quiet. They didn't want to draw any attention to themselves. On the other hand, they believed the light. They believed the light that burst through the darkness. Despite all of the disbelief, 
Despite of all of the rejection, the light burst through and some of these Jews were saved, but they still struggled in their flesh. They still had a problem with sharing the good news, sharing their faith. On the one hand, they believed the light. On the other hand, they didn't want anyone to know. Look again at verse 42. In the rest of verse 42, John records and states, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. How can we relate? How can we relate to these believers? Who do we love more than God? What do we love more than God? Do we put our faith on a shelf and only pick it up during the week for Bible study and prayer and for meetings like this on Sunday morning? What a shame it would be. For the Christ to go to the cross. For us to keep it to ourselves. What a shame it would be for us to walk every day not sharing the gospel. What a shame it would be considering all that he had done for us. No way we can keep this good to ourselves. We have the medicine that would change the world. Since Jesus offers salvation through faith in himself, will you share your faith with unbelievers despite their appearances? Will you share your faith with others, even when they reject the evidence? Will you share your faith even when people profess faith and say they believe in God? Or will we be like those of old who love the praise of men instead of the glory of God? How we forget that God is sovereign and that he owns everything. Won't share his glory with anyone. What a privilege we have. I encourage you, family, stand up. Be bold in the faith, unashamed of the gospel. Why? Because he deserves it.